Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're in or you're out, right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. There are a few acts that folks consider must-see when they come to Vegas. One of those acts is the Bronx Wanderers, led by Vinny Adnolfi, who was once a very important player in the world of music. You'll meet Vinny on today's show. And our regulars are here as well. Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com advises you where to go in town if you've never played craps but would like to give it a try. Brett Maley of Pawn Stars is back with the Vegas Art Minute. These days, a lot of art is found on eBay, and Brett explains how he can help. Michael Shackelford, also known as the Wizard of Odds, is here as well. This week, Michael takes a look at roulette. And finally, America's first master sommelier... Eddie Osterlin is back. Last week, Eddie talked about his favorite wineries to visit in the U.S. Today, Eddie shares his favorites in France. Great shows in Vegas that are here all the time that you really need to see. One of the very, very best is the Bronx Wanderers. If you remember that music, the 50s, early 60s, you love it. If you don't know it, like I've told my daughter about started listening, it's great. It's great stuff. It's not stuff that is overplayed or anything. It's just a fantastic show put on by our guest today, Vinny Adonolfi. Now, is that the right pronunciation? That's very good, Steve. Yeah, That's Italians, great. we got to stick together. <laughs> but we'll, we'll call him, you know, Vinny of the Bronx Wanderers. <laughs> Uh, he's got a great history that we're going to talk about, too. And he works with his kids, which I think is fantastic. The show is wonderful. But before we even get into the show, how do you get into that? I mean, I understand you were working in the back end of the, of the music business. I wanted to be a star from, you know, coming out of the, the neighborhood I came out of in the Bronx. It was one of those things where you had like three options. You could either become a construction worker or you could go into the mafia, but most of the mafia guys they know were either blown up or like found in trunks somewhere. So their retirement package really wasn't that attractive. Or Dion, you know, Dion came out of our neighborhood and it was one of those things and, and Danny Aiello came out of our neighborhood. So it was one of those things where you got to see those guys walk down the street and it was like, I want to be that. Right. When I grow up, I want to be that. So I always wanted to be, uh, you know, in the music business as a star. And when I had gone down, Dion got me an audition to go down and talk to the guys at Columbia Records. Uh, it was Terry Cashman and Tommy West who had a label under the uh, Columbia umbrella. And they convinced me right away, nah, kid, you don't want that. You don't get, you're going to be out at night. You're going to be on the road. You, what you really want is work in the office with us, make a good living. You'll be home at night with your family, be home on the weekends. And, and I figured, you know what? This is a good kind of sneaky way to get in the business, yeah. and I'll make it from the inside out. So I started working for them. And the next thing you know, it's just like I got caught up in the whole thing where I worked my way up from a tape copyist to vice president uh, A&R of the label. And it just became a really kind of great job where I was like Simon Cowell, you know, going out and picking talent. And yes, no, yes, you could live. No, you're going to die. <laughs> and so it was really kind of a cool thing. And I enjoyed that so much. And I enjoyed helping young talent along the way. And somewhere in the middle of all that, I would constantly record demos for them. 
which was our job for our publishing division. And I said to them, you know, how come you can't put one of my versions out, which they had done with Tony Orlando? I pretty much had Tony Orlando's job. And so they said, no, 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 we're not going to lose you the way we lost Tony Orlando. You know, you know you're, too, you're too valuable, and we don't want that for you. We don't want that for you. So I wound up, it never happened, that I basically just wound up working for them forever. And when Sony came in to buy us out, we were all going to be out of a job. It was like, now what? And another guy that came out of our neighborhood uh, was Chaz Palminteri, the actor from Bronx Tale. So Chaz had said to me, why don't you take the kids and start a group? And do a retrospective of your career. Just do all songs by artists that you worked with, which was Billy Joel, Neil Diamond, Paul McCartney. And I said, nah. I said, Chaz, the kids are too little. They're 14 and 11. And he said, listen to me, it's a gimmick. And it's a great gimmick. Just do it. So he winds up getting us a job in this uh, like gangster nightclub. And the funny thing was, we were horrible. We were horrible. But the kids who were playing, all the guys in suits are walking up stuffing $100 bills in their pockets. <laughs> so at the end of the night, the band got paid 300 and the kids had like $800 each. So we all looked at each other. Chaz said, what are you, an idiot? Look at how this will work. Do it. Just do it. So the next thing you know, off we went. And, uh, and it's been just an amazing, amazing 15-year run that culminated into I told the kids now, based on my label experience, we're going to do things in five-year increments. The five, first five years is going to be we've got to work as many nights as possible to get our name out. And then the next five, we're going to travel, and we're going to lose a lot of money. And then the third five, we're going to land somewhere and be somebody at that point. And so it was roughly around year 14 that we got spotted by these people down in Florida that said, would you guys like to go to Vegas? And I said, it's always been my dream to be, you know, Tom Jones, Igbert Humperdinck, Paul Anka, you know, Dean Frank, Sammy Wayne, anybody. And so we, we were lucky enough that it happened. And, you know, and here we are, and the rest is kind of history. That's fantastic. What a great story. And I mean, we're lucky. You know, it's, how is it playing with your kids? I think that has to be great to see them I, and be I, able to was, you know, I, the, the one story I love to always tell is, so... When, when we were deciding to buy a house, I said to my wife, the richest area where we were at was this, uh, in New, northern New Jersey, was this little town called Alpine. And all the stars lived in Alpine. And I said to her, we can't afford to live in Alpine, but right at the bottom of the hill on the Alpine borderline is this other little tiny town. And the homes are really expensive there, but let's see if we can't find a wrecked, destroyed home and we'll move there. So we moved to that that neighborhood and there I am like you know I'd, I'd be shopping in stores Chris Rock would come walking in Eddie Murphy would come walking in I mean it was just it really was like a really kind of cool area to, to raise the kids and the Knicks are there the Yankees are there and we would just see sports stars and just you know it was really great so the, the, the point of having the kids with me now in the band became such a great thing because we had gone away one night and did a road trip in Pittsburgh and when I got back on a Monday morning uh, the kids were teenagers at this point. It's a knock on the door. The police are at the door. And I said, well, what, what? And they said, where were the kids on the weekend? I said, come on, you guys know me. We were off playing in Pittsburgh. We were, you know, we were away. I had no problem. The cop went to walk away. I said, no, 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 wait, wait. You got to tell me what? Yeah. They said, well, there was a party over the weekend up the hill, meaning in Alpine. And one of the kids went into the mother's bedroom and stole like $50,000 worth of jewelry. So all I could think of is they were with me. How lucky is it that... All the years that they were with me, they missed the drug parties. They right. missed they missed all the craziness of, you know, in a way, it's like kind of robbed them of their teenage years of the crazy things. But at the same time, they were getting to hang out with people like Tony Orlando and, you know, Fred Paris and the Five Satins and, you know, just like the iconic, iconic groups, uh, the Tokens, you know. And, and they, they worked with, like, we worked with every oldies group you can imagine opening for them. So it was a really kind of cool way for them to, you know, be, yeah. be raised. 
More with the founder of the Bronx Wanderers, Vinny Adnolfi, who play almost every night at Harris on the Strip in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. So what do you do if you'd like to try playing craps for the very first time but don't want to bother experienced players? Scott has a suggestion. So the best way to do that, uh, if, if you're not rushed in your 24-hour schedule, uh, find a game called Bubble Craps. It's uh, uh, shoot-to-win craps. It's, you, it's very noticeable. There's no dealers. It's a, it's a machine. And the reason they call it Bubble Craps is because the dice are in a bubble. This machine uh, takes the pressure off a live table. You can sit and learn. There are quite a few casinos that give craps lessons, but I have found this Bubble Craps is a great way to just sit and relax. You don't have to bet every time. Very inexpensive way to learn craps then you go to the live table go during a slow part of the day because when you're there at a slow part of the day the dealers can take the time to help you other players will help you uh pretty much anywhere it uh for the for the learning process then you want to really find a full table because a full table when some when a shooter gets hot is really truly the quintessential vegas experience it's the quintessential human experience because people have been rolling the bones since day one they were literally bones at one point they were uh the knuckles of like sheep or something so they were that's why they call them the bones but that has been a form of gambling that people have enjoyed for centuries and when you are on a table with 20 of your new best friends and everybody's making money hand over fist it is like an atm broke it is truly a great vegas experience i'm a big fan of craps i say try it just figure you're going to donate because you might but there's a chance that and there's a tradition that first-time shooters are very lucky so make sure you pick up those dice Roll them all the way to the end of the table because that's part of the deal. Uh, that's one of the rules. There are some rules. And the other rule is don't say the number between six and eight out loud at the table because on the first roll, that's a great number. But after uh, after someone establishes a number, you don't want the number between six and eight. So just remember that. And just it really is just supposed to be fun. And don't play at a local's place because locals are angry when they play craps. Go somewhere where there's lots of tourists because tourists don't care. They're drunk. They're having fun. And they're, remember, it's not money. It's just chips. Scott will be back again next week. Remember to check out VitalVegas.com every day. When it comes to Vegas, nobody knows more than Scott. You can also follow Vital Vegas on social media. More from Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers and former record executive who worked with superstars like Billy Joel, Neil Diamond, and Paul McCartney. Like you said, the pros and cons of everything, but it is great because it's no better thing than to keep an eye on them. You know where they're at. Yeah. You know? I, I, that was such a really good, good thing. The, the downside is... We're never off. You know, whenever we're home, we're still talking about business. And, and it's, you know, the toughest thing I have with, you know, especially like my wife with this is that, you know, like when I get home, it's like done. 
No more, no more band stuff, no more show stuff. Let's just, let's be a normal family. Instead, we're tweaking. Well, yeah, you know, you did this wrong tonight. You should have did this. You should have said this a little quicker. You should have did that. And so we're constantly tweaking. And my son is at that point now, uh, the older one, where he opened up for Bon Jovi at the uh, T-Mobile Arena. Wow. So the great thing with that is he's ready to kind of fly and take off on his own. So he's got his thought process of what he thinks works and I have my thought process of what I think works so we kind of butt heads left and right and uh, I was lucky enough early on in my career that one of the offices that we we had working in our branch was an office called Sid Walsh and Agency the Sid Walsh and Agency was was the commercial agency of like the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. every commercial you pretty much heard on on the on radio TV these guys were working on and Barry Manilow was one of the guys in the office so I had known of Barry. I, when I came in, Barry had just hit with Mandy and left. But I would see him come back periodically to get checks or talk, or whatever. So I, I begged the kids, I want you to come see Barry's show in Las Vegas. And, of course, ah, Barry Manilow. Who's Barry? I'm not going to see that. So, of course, I go. And he does the whole show. And he ends the show finally saying, so you guys want to go to the Copa? And he breaks at the Copacabana, and you literally have to, like, scrape the entire audience off the ceiling that everybody's that crazy, jumping, dancing, all that. So I come running home, and I go, I'm telling you guys, this is the move. I mean, the great thing that, that, you know, I told the kids from day one was no matter what song you do, it's got to be in your pocket. And it's got to be something that really you sound like, and when people close their eyes... You know, it's going to work. So the show became this so psychological kind of thing where I had gone into the bosses at Columbia and I pitched the idea for them at this point. Oh, my God, it's like 20 years ago that we're going to get all the oldies groups of all time. And we're going to do a live special from Madison Square Garden and we're going to record them and we're going to show how, look, there's the five satin singing the still of the night. There's the token singing the lion sleeps tonight. There's uh, Jimmy Beaumont since I don't have you the Skyliners, and we're going to show look how look how we all got old together. They're all but we're all still here. Really happy. So their answer to me was, I don't know. We got to go to we got market test it. We got to get some focus groups. I, I said no no no. Listen to me. I already got the groups lined up. The garden turned around, and they, the, with the union cost, it got so out of hand that the Tropicana in Atlantic City stepped in and said, okay, as long as you say recorded live at the Tropicana Atlantic City, yeah. we'll give you the room. So here I am telling them, I, I got the room for free. I got the whole thing. I got the acts are going to do it for free. And we're going to go in, and we're, we're going to record this it's one no night. No-brainer, right? I mean, let's put this out. No, we're not going to do it. So about two years goes by. And three, and the guy T.J. Lubinsky comes yep. out and does the Channel 13 doo-wop special. And the next thing you know, it's the biggest special in their history. Yeah. To which I ran into the office going, thank you. Yeah, I okay. gave that to you three years ago, but you guys didn't want to do that. And they raised millions and so, off of that. Yeah. And, they, and now they do every type of genre of music. Yeah. He goes out But it all that. started in that. And so now wow. I thought, when it came point for the Bronx Wanderers, my whole sales pitch was... We all grew up together. We all got old together. Yeah. I said, how's about I get five young kids and we go on stage. And now when we're doing the wand or run around Sue or, you know, like a Dion tune and some 60 to 75 year old person is watching the show, they basically 
are seeing a bunch of kids do it, they're now back at their high school dance. Right. So, and they feel rejuvenated. And so essentially, it turned into this whole, well, let me let everybody become a kid again. And so when I show, for instance, I'm telling my story in the show, when I'm showing you home movies of my Super 8 millimeter with the old Christmas tree and, you know, in the neighborhood and the people, and shit, you're not watching my home movies. In your own mind, you're closing your eyes saying, my I neighbor, that. that was my neighborhood. And I look at it, and that was my Christmas tree. And that was, and so all of a sudden, everybody's back in their childhood. And so all I get on the meeting and greet lines is you took me back. You took me back. Right. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was the goal. You know, the story starts with I came out of the neighborhood that Dion came out of, so we'll do a Dion tune. And then it was the next thing you know, I'm working at Columbia Records, and who did I get to work with? Neil Diamond and Billy Joel. So we'll do a Neil Diamond tune. You know, we'll do Sweet Caroline, and then we'll do a Billy Joel tune. And then, I'm, you know, as I'm you know, going into the whole story of everything, you know, I tell about how I still had my dream that I wanted to be a player, so on weekends I would go out and play in bands. And when I was out on the weekends playing in bands, I played with bands like the Stray Cats, and the kids wow. are big fans of Brian Setzer. Oh, yeah. And the next thing you know, they're doing Rock This Town. And so, you know, then we talk about how, uh, you know, the 60s, we had, a, we had a vet come down and ask me to do a couple of tunes. So it's not just, you know, an oldies thing. And then it works up to where yeah. I say the kids kind of bullied me into where they wanted to do Bohemian Rhapsody. And we do that. And everybody says, where, where did that come from? And then I say, you know, people ask me, how do I get these kids you know, to do all this old music. And then we play the theme from The Godfather as I'm looking up at the <laughs> ceiling. And so, and so, but it works out. I said, no, once a night, I let them do something from their generation. And then they do Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. So we really kind of hit the whole spectrum of music from, you know, 50s, 60s up to today. More from Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas Art Minute with Brett Maley, art appraiser from Pawn Stars and a co-owner of Art Encounter, the great fine art gallery in Las Vegas. What about folks, have they ever contacted you and said, I see something on eBay here, I like it, it really works for me. Is this price good? Am I getting ripped off or is it a deal or something? Have you helped them that way, try to figure that? Because eBay is everybody's guest. They're not you on the other line. <laughs> right, absolutely. And, Stephen, you know, as I was saying, the art it's become a small world. I mean, the art, you know, you can put art on eBay and from coast to coast and around the globe. So I do get a lot of people calling me saying, hey, I found this listed piece or this listed artist, and could you look at it and see if it might be priced accordingly? And a lot of times I can help them. Now, the problem with doing business online is you don't have the piece in front of you. So you can't see the brush strokes. You can't tell the tactile nature of the piece. So that's a challenge, but definitely I try to help where I can. You can visit Brett at Art Encounter. And if you mention that you heard about Art Encounter here on Vegas Never Sleeps, they're going to send a limo to pick you up at your hotel. Are you a fan of the music of Blondie and the Ramones? If the answer is yes, you've got to check out Hollis Jade's great pop punk group, the Love Zombies. You can get both Love Zombies albums, Passion Fruit and No Slow Songs Live at Abbey Road at the website lovezombiesentertainment.com You can also get merchandise as well as Hollis's solo EP Strange World. Just go to lovezombiesentertainment.com for all of this and more. More from Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers in just a moment. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Biz Talk Radio Network. Hi, I'm Michelle Johnson, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go 
You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to you in part by 360debtfree.com. Do you think a 30-year mortgage is necessary to own a home? If you do, think again. You can have all your debts, including your mortgage, paid off as early as five to seven years. Find out how? Go to 360debtfree.com and get your free ebook. Turn your debt into wealth. That's 360debtfree.com. You are listening to Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, who play nightly at Harris Vegas. And then at one point I sat on a stool and said it was always my dream to be here in Las Vegas. And uh, we do the song If I Could Dream. You know, and the cool thing is I do it as a duet with Elvis on screen and a choir. And, uh, and then we just kind of like just bring it on home where I tell the story, which really was, was a fun story. We would play this one restaurant every Friday night in Bloomfield, New Jersey called Fratelli's. Mm-hmm. And this guy would come and sit in the front and stare at us. And I said, who's this guy? And this is the manager. Who's this guy? And he said, you don't know? And I go, no, because that's Tommy DeVito from the Four Seasons. So Tommy says to me, come here, kids, sit down. He said, they're doing a play about us. It's going to come out a year from now. It's not even out yet. I want you guys to do my tour. It's going to be the biggest thing in the business. So before you know it, I never would have considered, you know, Bronx guys doing right. Four Seasons music. And so here we are. He's got us dancing, and we're doing sherry with him. We're wearing suit jackets. And, and the kids were so cute because they were small that it became such a great novelty of us doing the Four Seasons yeah. that four months later, we got to go halfway around the world and fill in for Frankie Valley over in Abu Dhabi. Wow. <laughs> and when word kind of got out that these are the guys that are out there, you know, before the Jersey was hits, yeah. and these are like the go-to Jersey band, all of a sudden the play comes out and hits. And the music business being what it is, whatever is a success, every agent needs. (laughs) So now all of a sudden we were in incredible demand at that point. And so we just, we hit at that same point that the play hit and the rest is history. But it it really, you know, I say it all goes back to that one day a Sony coming in saying that, you know, we're buying you guys out, you're out of a job, and it's what am I going to do? And Chaz Palminteri telling me, take the kids and start a group. And I said, they're too young, man. What a great work. idea, and what a wonderful turn. I mean, to have this great career, and then suddenly to turn into a similar but yeah. different career. Yeah. Well, well, you're blessed. That's really a good you. deal. Every <laughs> night I look up, and, you know, and I tell the kids all the time, that's why on a meet and greet line, I'll be there for an hour past when the kids are already home, you know, just thanking everybody because I know, and I know how fragile it is where, where the kids don't get that. You know, tomorrow morning, Caesars can come in and say, listen, we've been bought out yeah, and you're, you're out, we're out and we're in the street tomorrow morning. So it's, it's that fragile of a line. So I tell the kids, you got to appreciate this. Yeah, and of course you appreciated it from the start because you had to tell people, like you used the Simon Cowell uh, analogy yeah, earlier. Yeah. yeah, you had to be um, right on there, and you know how difficult it is because for every uh, Neil Diamond and Billy yeah. Joel, there's lots of people that yeah. just weren't quite as good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the saddest. There's nothing you know sadder than somebody really coming in with it with a demo and they really really love it and they want to make it. And you're listening, and you know, you just know it's not good. And you, you now need to break this person's heart. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that to me was the worst part of what I had to do. And, I mean, the only thing that I would 
I thought I was different than anybody else's instead of just being kind of like pass, you know, being horrible. I mean, and I think Simon does it more for TV yeah, where, you know, you're absolutely horrible and, you, you know, you, would, you wouldn't do that. I mean, yeah. you basically say, listen, it needs work. Go back home, work on it, see if you can come up with something better. You need a commercial hit and just, you know, be more encouraging and send people home. And I think I encouraged so many acts through the years that people always wrote me and say, you know, were the nicest rejection I ever got. Yeah. And it's and that's what you kind of want, you know, but but it, but it's it's that's why I tell the kids it's tough, you know. And and the one thing I it constantly, the greatest thing I think that happened to the kids was us getting to work with Wayne Newton here. You are listening to Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, who play nightly at Harris Vegas. We were here for the first two years, and Wayne was the show after us. And I mean, if I tell you the highlight of my career was those five minutes after my show of walking in the hallway, bumping into Wayne, just that five-minute interaction with him was like I, unbelievable. You know, hey, Wayne, oh my God, it's Wayne Newton. And you're getting to talk to him. And, but his persona of how was it? I said, I don't know. I, I really thought I kind of blew this line tonight, or I should have said it this way or that way. And he said, yeah, you know, try it like this. Try it. And he would constantly tell me things and, and just give me that thing where I would look at him and go, you know, my, you're Wayne Newton. And, it, and it's like, yeah, wow. it's, you're, it's never good enough. And Wayne would tell me, I'm never good enough. And I go, no, no, you're, you're, you're Mr. Las Vegas. And I, you know, he goes, Vin, I could always be better. And, I, and he would show the kids all the time, you know, don't ever think you're good. You could always be better. And it's always to, to give the audience a better time, a better experience. And, you know, and getting to work with him up close and personal was really, yeah. And people don't realize, you know, they see it now. It has been jokes and so forth. This guy owned this town for so oh, long. The guy. I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of begging, begging. And if anybody from Caesars is listening to me, I'm continuing my beg. 60 years he celebrated this year as an anniversary. When Frank, Dean, and Sammy's careers were ending, uh, NBC did TV specials on them. And they did it from a showroom in Vegas. And they had all the stars of the time come up on stage and do one song by them and say some kind words about them and then walk off the stage. And I, I went to the Caesars bosses and I said, I'm begging you, give him the Coliseum for one night. Put him back on top for one night. And for 24 hours, every LED sign in the city should just say, celebrating 60 years, happy anniversary, thank you, Mr. Las Vegas. And just leave it up there. The same way when somebody passes away, they leave everything, you know, uh, right. one sign for 24 hours. Give Wayne the 24-hour sign. Get the mayor. Get the governor. Get every star in town to come over and say, hey, thank you. You know, let Chris Angel is friendly with him. Let him come over and say something. And let, you know, Gwen Stefani or Jennifer Lopez or Brooke, Brooks and Don and, you know, Reba. Let everybody come out and really thank you, man. 60 years is a major accomplishment. And at the same time, you know, it'll be the hottest ticket in town, so they'll make money. And they could televise it and sell it as a TV special, and they'll make money. And they could invite all their high rollers in to say, don't you want to be at the event of all time for this year at Caesars? You know, it'll make money for them. You know, but I would love to pay Absolutely. back and give Wayne just that one day. And it could be that one thing where people kind of remember, you know, there, there comes a point where people forget about that. You remember how big he was and how really, how many years and so forth it might yeah. become an in thing. To, I mean, I saw the reaction people had to him when he ran the siren at the uh, Golden Knights yeah. game. You know, and that's real love for the guy. You know, he's they, been around a long time. Right. And uh, it's you know, when, when, you hear, when you hear the history of somebody like that, 
it just, it just, it's, you know, when people say my, my show is inspirational because I get to say, here I am, I lost my job and what am I going to do? And I go to my old neighborhood, I'm walking around the streets and I go, my God, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old, I, you know, I'm 45 years old, I'm out of a job, what am I going to do? And uh, Chaz says, start the group and I start the group and it works. You know, you hear Wayne's story, Wayne was playing downtown six sets a night. Six 45-minute sets a night. And he says, I learned to play all the instruments because there's no way you could sing six sets a night. You can't. Right. I mean, you, you physically can't. And he was doing it six nights a week. And, uh, and, I, and I always say to him, you say six nights a week because God rested on the seventh day, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> and you are God. And so, but, but you know, he, he put his time in. And when, when it was his opportunity, he went to Harris and said, hey, you know, I want to be a main room act. And they said, you'll never be a main room act. And they literally threw him out. And there he is. He went back on the road. And luckily, Jack Benny sees him playing and says, Wayne, I want you to open for me in the main room. Yeah. And he goes, where? In, in Harris. And, he, and he's such a, he said, Mr. Benny, I can't do that because, uh, you know, they threw me out and they don't want me. And Jack Benny got behind him and said, if they don't want you, they don't want me. Wow. And the rest is history. You'll hear more from Vinny Adnolfi, leader of the Bronx Wanderers and a former record executive that worked with Billy Joel, Neil Diamond, and Paul McCartney, among others. Time now for statistician, actuary, and expert in gaming odds and probabilities, Michael Shackelford, who we call the Wizard of Odds. This week, Michael discusses one of the oldest games in town. Roulette, Kino, those, those two games off the top... Is there anything, I guess part of it is going back to look at these pay lines, these special bets I see even in Keno where you can bet a corner. And Is there anything to that or is it just another way to, you know, it's, it's that long shot that you can win a lot of money at but your, your odds aren't great? Yeah, in your standard double zero roulette game, the odds are the same, 5.26% on everything. So just bet whatever you want. The wheel doesn't have a, a memory, so... There are no patterns. This is one of the few games where you have total free will. Just bet whatever you feel like, except the five-number combination of zero, double zero, one, two, three, before anyone uh, corrects me on that. That one is at 7.89%. The Wizard will return again next week. More from Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast-to-coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vinny Adnolfi, founder of the Bronx Wanderers, who play nightly at Harris Vegas. an incredible talent there. I mean, you mentioned Neil Diamond. What an interesting guy, because I always try to figure what genre he belongs in. Yeah. And it's hard to do. <laughs> he was, you know, we, that whole kind of period was singer-songwriter saying, and Neil was a singer-songwriter, Billy was a singer-songwriter, James Taylor, all those guys were just, you know, great, great folk rock kind of things. And Neil was just, you never really kind of knew. He'd put a great pop record out and then all of a sudden he'd write this great introspective, you know, I am, I said or something where you just yeah. go, wow, you know, or solitary man. And just, just a great, great 
performer. Um, but you never could. I mean, my, probably my big thrill was Paul McCartney. Was when Paul signed with us, we got to do five albums with him. And I begged them. I said, oh, please, can I, can I, no. Can I please, and no. So the answer was, I never got, but we'll tell you what. We f- just flew over from Abbey Road Studios, the actual A-track machine that they uh, recorded Sgt. Pepper on. We'll let you look at it and you could touch it. <laughs> so I put my hands on it and that was it. He was in like another room and it's like, no, nobody could go in and talk to him. Wow. But it was cool. So but that was cool. Close to greatness. That was pretty cool. <laughs> well, the, the, those are the Wings days, right? He did, uh, with us, he did McCartney 2 as a solo album. Mm-hmm. Then he did Back to the Egg as Wings. Yeah. Then he did, uh, they were pretty much McCartney solo albums where he did Tug of War. Yeah. He did Pipes of Peace and uh, Give My Regards to Broad Street. So he had just gone through the Wings period and then came out with this. Uh, where it was all kind of him alone, him with Linda, and uh, but and there was some really good there was some really good tunes in that period and just you know uh, what you mentioned before like the Billy Joel with the Stranger which was an incredible album I miss the albums personally yeah. the albums what were some of the two or three top albums that you worked on that you thought wow and you knew right away this is going to be different uh, Springsteen born in the USA I mean we just you know you kind of knew that that was just going to like he was already at the top, we had a we had a thing at Columbia where no matter what goes on, everything comes off the table if Bruce puts in a release out. So uh, Meatloaf's uh, "Bad Out of Hell," what a great album, you know, was, was on Epic. That was on our side, and when that came out, we all kind of knew this was going to explode and go crazy. Are you surprised he didn't uh, go anywhere from that because that yeah. album it was one of those. It was like the Boston album. Yeah. They come out and it was so good. It's kind of hard to yeah, follow it up. Yeah. But again, they make so much money from it. And you know, they're so kind of burnt out. It's you know, like when you make Gone with the Wind. What's your follow-up picture? You know, it's so hard to follow. You, you then start chasing that to try and top it, and which they all kind of do. And, it, and it's always a tough kind of thing. that, that You don't want to say that was your pinnacle, but you know, that kind of was your pinnacle. So, I mean, Bad Out of Hell was, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, when Michael came out with Off the Wall, yeah, yeah. We kind of all said, and this was before Thriller, but we all kind of said to each other, you know, this is just changing everything. Because at that point now, his dance music became the club scene, and it was like, wow, everything's going to be different from here on in. And then it just, when it turned into Thriller and exploded, it was just no looking back. It's incredible. You know, I'm just thinking about, you talk about how hard it is to follow a great album. Billy Joel's though, it was kind of interesting when he followed The Stranger, he got, I forget the name of the album. Yeah, remember that? And he tried to change that and then there was one after that was very much like the music you do. I mean, right? uh, He did this to salute to uh, Longest Time. Right. And uh, Uptown Girl was a tribute to the Four Seasons and yeah. I mean, they they all kind of, you know, because it's like, where do you go? And, you know, Paul at one point was fooling around with, John had done a uh, greatest hits of just nothing but all these covers. And, you know, you go, okay, but where, where's John? You know, where, where, where's you? Yeah. You know, but that's, that's what they do. I mean, it's, but they, they sustain. There's a reason why these guys are the icons that they are. They deserve it. They are the greatest writers, greatest performers, greatest players. I mean, Billy Joel... We walked out of that audition, and Tommy West is an accomplished, accomplished. He looked at me and said, that is the quickest left hand I ever saw in my life. And I mean, and that's, that's the way he plays. I mean, it's just, these guys are great. I mean, Elton John, God. I mean, these guys are all music gods. I, t- I tell the kids, there's those 10 or 20 guys at the top. That, that's a, just a whole different stratosphere. You can't, you know, there's a reason why they're there. And- 
We have a little more to talk to Vinny about, and we will finish up our conversation with Vinny next week. In the meantime, if you wish to see the Bronx Wanderers, head down to Harris. They're playing almost every night. Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, is back. Last week, Eddie spoke of his favorite American wineries to visit. Eddie, how about a trip to France? You know, you got the famous reasons of Bordeaux and Burgundy. And Bordeaux, Cabernet is the star. Uh, in the town of Bordeaux, there's uh, a satellite town about 30 miles away called Saint-Emilion. And Saint-Emilion and, and Pomerol. Uh, I would say if I was going to go to Bordeaux, I would definitely say you must go to Saint-Emilion. Um, because it's quaint, it's romantic, it's easy to get around. So you can walk around the city. That would be my number one choice. I mean, I got married there. Um, Bordeaux, in general, is a little more industrial, and you need to spend more time. But all the famous wineries like Chateau Lafitte and Mouton and Chateau Latour and Aubryon, that's where they exist. Um, then you may want to go to Burgundy, which is a nice visit. Uh, hard to do both in one trip because uh, they're about 10 hour, 12 hours drive between each of them. But Burgundy is where Pinot Noir and Chardonnay star. And certainly, uh, I would say probably the finest wines I've ever had in my life come from Burgundy. Um, but you really need to do your studying and you really need to have someone recommend where to go because there's a lot of awful Burgundy uh, and still at a pricey range. So that's, that's something you really got to be careful. Um, you know, an area that most people have never been to is Alsace, which is the northwestern corner near Germany of France, where they have all kinds, especially their white wines, are marvelous full-bodied wines, and always at a reasonable price, because for some reason, people just haven't studied them that much, so you need to go to Alsace. You know, if you're going to go to France, you're probably going to go to Paris. Well, three hours south of Paris is Champagne. Uh, I highly recommend taking, you know, a, a two-day visit, getting a tour, and seeing some of the great houses of Champagne. That's a marvelous thing. And then further south is the town of Chablis, which would be fun to go. And then you go south, and you're in Burgundy. And you go further south, and you're in the Beaujolais region. You go further south, you're now in the Rhone Valley, where Syrah and, uh, you know, Grenache grapes thrive. Thanks, Eddie. And thank you for joining us today. Next week, we will finish our conversation with Vinny from the Bronx Wanderers, and you'll meet the genius behind Neonopolis in downtown Las Vegas. Enjoy Super Sunday this weekend, and don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Las Vegas, here we go! Let's go to Vegas, baby. Let's go to Vegas.